Welcome to Health Impressions, the show about authority, acquisition, and retention. I'm your co-host, Brian Cush, co-founder of Title Health Group, a digital marketing agency specializing in healthcare. I'm accompanied by Jay Parkinson, Chief Medical Officer of SANA, a health plan that delivers high-quality healthcare while keeping costs down. Our show focuses on the cross-sections of marketing, patient experience, and product development. We explore strategies for providing high-quality care, enhancing patient experience, and retention through cutting-edge technologies. We'll be speaking with like-minded industry leaders who will be sharing their learnings and spilling some secrets, too. Dev Newworth, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm so excited to have you. Very, very excited personally. Uh, I remember first getting exposed to your first book a few years ago, really loving it, actually giving it to all our team members. Really excited to be on the kind of heels of you now releasing a second book uh, and just really happy to have you here. Oh, oh, Brian, it's a pleasure. Uh, I feel like we've been in conversation, you and I and Jay, for uh, some time. So uh, excited to dive in with you here. Yeah, let's just cut right to it. I mean, it's a big question and you have a lot of experience with it. So I just love to hear where you go with this first is, what does it mean to put patients first? Okay, you don't start with an easy question. I can see that. Um, you're going to go right for it. You know, I, I think um, there's lots of ways to answer that question, and I don't think there's one way to answer it. But the first thought that comes to mind is um, that there isn't one way to address that. So what do we mean by patient, right? And I think one of the problems, and I, I did talk about this in, in the first book I wrote called Reframing Healthcare, um, which came out uh, in 2019, you know, I think we have a model and have had a model, and I think things are changing. Um, I know things are changing, but we have a model that essentially treats all patients alike. So it's this generic model. And so, and what do I mean by that? So for example, if you're um, 85 years old, and you've got, you know, 10 medical problems and are on 25 medications and just came out of the intensive care unit, you know, five days ago. Um, you go into the same model of care as a 35 year old who maybe has some mild high blood pressure at most. It's the same thing. You walk into the doctor's office, same provider, same team, same protocols, same resources. And to me, that makes no sense. How do you how do you be patient first for that 85 year old as you would with that 35 year old with the same set of resources? And so I think the notion of segmentation of care and customization of care and personalization of care is really, really critical. And those are actually very, very different things. And there's a science and an art and a technology enablement to all those things. And so. For example, and, and I'll just give one example. I could probably talk uh, for an hour about this just on this one question and give many examples. But the notion that perhaps we need to think about, let's just take seniors since I started with that, although we could talk about women's health too. Um, or, or, you know, talk about, you know, treating people from different cultural and racial backgrounds, right? Um, but, you know, with seniors, the idea that, uh, Maybe we need to actually have a customized care model that is has the, not only the knowledge um, 
of, of knowing how to take care of older people with complex chronic conditions and, and different psychosocial needs, but not just the knowledge, but also the resources at hand and the protocols at hand. So it's not like you, you're making it up each time you see an older person who's, let's say, maybe they have mild dementia, they have frailty, um, uh, maybe they've got some sort of disability, um, you know, issues around isolation, loneliness, et cetera, et cetera. So, and, and this exists, this is already, you know, we're seeing this patient first approach with this notion of customization, segmentation, personalization, contextualization of care. You're seeing uh, clinics like Chen Med, Iora Health, Oak Street Health, um, Devoted Health, on and on, these R12, these uh, Patina, um, you know, these, these models of care that were specifically designed with seniors in mind and the type of issues, whether it's even aging well issues, it doesn't have to be about disease or, or, or illness. Um, it could be about just how do we keep healthy at that age? And so these, these, um, these clinics, these models of care are designed in that way. So I think the bottom line is I think when you talk about patient first, the first thing you have to do is realize that, that they're, the patients aren't all alike and they have different needs. And we have to begin to, to organize ourselves, organize ourselves around those needs. So again, that's one way to approach the answer. I don't think it's a complete answer, but for me, it's an important part of the answer. So that's a, that's an interesting concept. I mean, you basically have to say, like, let's put, let's figure out how many personas there are as patients in America. I mean, there's, you know, probably 10,000 of them, right? But at the same time, what I'm interested in is, yeah. What industry out there are you inspired by that you think does a good job at that? Yeah, that, I think that's a great question. I'm not sure I have a, a brilliant answer to that. Um, I think a lot of, well, you know, this sort of hyper-personalization issue, you're seeing, obviously, uh, the technology enabling that tremendously, right? So um, things like when I go on, uh, Amazon, and obviously this is uh, something you know not everyone, but many of us are familiar with. Um, uh, uh, you know the notion that the the technology actually uh, gets to know me, so it's it's sort of like uh, you know I've been on before, and it says you know people like you bought this, or your past history is like this, or we recommend this based on all kinds of data that they're collecting about me, and again. There's challenges with that sort of data collection. You know, we, we could debate and argue that, but, um, and, and there's, you know, for, there's always downsides to, 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 to this sort of technology enablement and this personalization and getting data like that. But the point is that they do customize and personalize your experience for you. Uh, they remember who you are. They remember what you like. They remember what you bought before. You know, I, I go on Amazon, even, you know, uh, it's, it's become a daily habit, right? It's hard not to become a daily habit. Um, uh, and and there and that's that's also inspiring too. How do we make not necessarily healthcare but health a daily habit? And boy oh boy, could we learn so much from Amazon um, about making something like that a daily habit? Um, you know, I go on and the first thing I see is you know you bought products like this before, and I'm like oh my god, I actually am running out of that. I need that. Um, otherwise I would have waited, you know, and it's, it's simple stuff, but it's like, it's like, but what if we did that? Right. It's like toothpaste, uh, you know, or, or something like that, but what if we, and they remind me and they say, 
you know, it's time, you know, you, you bought this kind of toothpaste. I'm like, oh, I actually, you know, thank, thank you for reminding me. What if we actually had that sort of personalization, customization of care where, you know, you were able to be reminded, hey, listen, your medications, uh, pre-order it now as opposed to, you know, running out of it. And so, and that's just, you know, one example, but, um, I, I think this, I think this notion though of segmentation itself is inspired by many, many other industries. You know, you look at an example is, um, many restaurants are very niche restaurants. So they have, you know, salad restaurants or, you know, restaurants with, you know, sort of ethnic foods. And, um, I, I think, you know, steak restaurants, right? Steakhouse restaurants. And so I think this notion of the, the lesson for me is, if you try to be everything for everyone, everywhere, all the time, you're probably going to be nothing for nobody. I mean, and, and I think we're experiencing that. And, and on the other side of it, think about the, think about the providers. I, I, I think the notion of trying to take care of, and again, I know Jay, obviously you're, you, you, you've practiced for many years. I, I practiced internal medicine, primary care for 20 or so years. Um, uh, pretty, pretty consistently, you know, pretty much, you know, I think daily. Um, and uh, at least for 15 years daily. And, you know, um, the notion that I can, I can know everything. And by the way, even if I could know everything, right. Even if I can do, know everything from women's health, uh, you know, to, 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 to elder care to, you know, I mean, you know, the, the, it's not just me knowing it. Right. And you know, this it's having all the resources you need around you because otherwise I'm, I'm, you know, I could spend my whole day taking care of one patient, getting all the resources I need. Whereas if I'm running a women's health clinic, it's not just that I'm an expert in women's health. It's that I have the people and the resources, the protocols around me so I can bring that to bear instantaneously, instantly. And the, the, and, and that's, that's the, the type of not only expertise, but the type of efficiency and effectiveness that you bring to bear. Again, senior care clinic, same thing. Um, you know, I've, I've been really enamored with some of the women's health. I talked about senior care and we could spend hours talking about that and the importance of that, but women's health. So there are 60 million women in the country that are in menopause in, in that age range. 60 million. That's twice the number of people who have diabetes in our country. And if you listen to the stories of women who have menopause and how they suffer, because first they go to their primary care doctor, and I don't know about you, but how much training do we get in menopause? How much do we know about menopause? How much resources do we have about menopause? The answer is pretty much zero yeah, or close I, to zero. I was a pediatrician, so, so like, you know, I got, I got pretty much zero, you know. Yeah. Zero. <laughs> but, but, you know, and, and the primary, <laughs> no, a primary care is not that dissimilar. And then, and then you yeah. say, well, okay, well, then they'll go to their OB-GYN. Well, you know, yes, OB-GYNs, obstetrician gynecologists know a little bit more yeah. about menopause, but they're not menopause experts. They're experts in other areas. Some are, I'm not going to say that, but, but also it's not their primary concern. Um, they'd rather be doing other things. Their, their expertise is in other things. And by the way, even if they have knowledge, they don't have all the resources around them at their fingertips to really deliver good care. And so you see women going to neurologists and, and going to obstetricians and going to, uh, physical rehab. In the end, the problem is menopause. What if we actually had a menopause clinic where you actually had expertise and all the resources you needed right there? That didn't exist until recently. And we got not just customized, hyper-customized. So there are now companies out there that deliver menopause care at a 
unbelievably low cost, um, accessible now literally online virtually. So you can get the, the state of the art, up to date, most sophisticated, most humane and empathetic menopause care literally on your phone. Yeah. And, Do you know, you think, oh, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Do you think that, that the internet requires that or could one of these menopause clinics be like in most neighborhoods? You know, did the un- did, gr- did the yeah. did the internet unlock customization, or you know, what do you think? The great, it's a great question. I, I, well, there's lots of things that yes. So I, I do believe that. So it depends. Could this be done, brick and mortar? Yes. The problem with that, or the challenge with that, is. Really? So like you said, I, I mean, your question almost gives the answer. Are you really going to build a menopause clinic in every neighborhood? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- think about the costs of that. Uh, think about the waste of that. Um, so, so your patients could only really be derived from geographically local people. Yeah. Whereas if you set it up virtually, um, uh, now I, no matter where I am, I could be a menopause, this menopause expert you know, in any state, and I can see the entire country of mm-hmm. menopause patients. So the efficiency and the cost effectiveness is so much better. Let me give you an example, if you don't mind my even switching to another patient first customization segmentation, behavioral health, yeah. right? Behavioral health, one of the biggest problems in our country. Um, t- totally, I mean, just we do such a poor job. And again, not blaming anyone, not critiquing anyone um, in, in terms of dealing with uh, behavioral specifically, now I'm going to even get more customized. Let's talk about adolescence, okay? Um, and, and just the epidemic of depression, anxiety, suicidality um, that goes unabated in our country and getting worse each and every year. And again, so you asked the question about, uh, now you asked the question about, you know, does the internet, does automation, digitalization, virtualization, does, do we really need that? Or does that unlock something? And the answer is absolutely. because Right now, if you're lucky, there will be a brick and mortar sort of behavioral health company organization, you know, these sorts of residential centers. So if your child, you know, is suicidal or they're deeply depressed, you know, you will have something in your neighborhood, in your city, in your town, something locally. Now, the problem with that is they also have a limited geography of patients that will be coming to them. And so if you're lucky to have one and you go there, whoever shows up, those five, 10, 15, 20 people who show up, they're gonna be in that group, in that cohort. Um, and and by the way, you know, and right now the state of the art is if that happens, you go to an ED and you sit in an ED for God knows how long, how many hours, how many days waiting for someone to see you. And then, you know, if you're lucky enough and if you have enough money, you'll be able to refer to a local brick and mortar residential program, either for, you know, outpatient, you know, care and group and individual therapy and medication, or maybe an in, uh, in a residential program where, where you live or partially live. Now, that is rare and incredibly costly. Now, just I just want you to imagine, what if we took that sort of model and said, we're going to create a virtual um, adolescent behavioral health program that mimics a residential brick and mortar one? And it's going to be completely virtual. And we're going to, because it's virtual, we don't have to worry. Do we have psychiatrists and social workers and psychologists and therapists and family therapists in our neighborhood, in our town, in our community? We don't have to worry about that because we could draw experts from the entire nation. 
because it's all virtual. And we're going to create this company, this virtual company. And we're going to have literally, and you, and you know, it's not just one or two expertise. You probably need 10 to 15 different subspecialists to actually run a program like this from, you know, family therapists to, to different types of, 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 of behavioral therapists, social workers, et cetera. And so, so we're going to, we're going to draw from across the country all this expertise. We're going to put them together in a company. And, you know, the wonderful thing is, that we don't have to worry about a brick and mortar building. We don't have to worry about who our patient's gonna be, where do they come from in our neighborhood and our community, because anyone in the country can go online, can be do an intake into our company, and we will create a virtual uh, care program for them. So they get put into a virtual group. And by the way, because there's so many kids from around the country, we're gonna be able to actually say, okay, listen, we've done psychographics on you. We're gonna put you into a group with kids that you will get along with, and by the way, we're going to assign you to a therapist who who matches your psychographic because we have so many therapists from around the country. We can match, mix and match and optimize that. And do you know why that's so important? Because the number one factor in terms of whether an adolescent actually sticks with therapy and it has an impact is how well they go get along interpersonally with the therapist and the other uh, kids in their group. And so You've taken something that was impossible in the brick and mortar domain, almost impossible, and only maybe less than 1% of the population could gain access to that, could pay for that, could be have that around them. Yeah. And now you've opened it up. You reduced the cost yeah. of care. You've made it accessible. And, and by the way, all this I just said yeah. is happening. Yeah, There's yeah. a company called Charlie Health mm -hmm. that actually – and it was created, the CEO, and she makes this public, so I'm not sharing anything that's not public. She herself was an adolescent who was in crisis, who, who went to a residential program. She then uh, actually worked in the program. She actually became an executive in that residential program. And she said, this is not sustainable. This is not accessible to the majority, the over 90% of the American public and the kids in the country. And I'm going to virtualize this and digitalize this and make it low cost and, and make it better than any residential program. So literally you take your kid to the ED and instead of waiting for two or three days to see a psychiatrist, you literally can do an intake on your tablet yeah. and get put into the Charlie Health program, individual care, group therapy, family therapy, all these different types of therapy, medication. Yeah. I mean, all this sort so of stuff they, virtually. Yeah. You know what I think is so interesting about this is I think with customization, personalization, you basically say, okay, I can create a company around a condition and that yeah. condition can be managed. But a lot of times, you know, people have multiple conditions. So now you have a login into a silo for every condition you have over your life. And one of the challenges yeah. I see with that is like, it's really hard. Totally to see yeah. the totality of who this person is. And so, yeah. I mean, I love customization and personalization, of course, but how do you see like the big picture whenever we're, we're because the trend is moving toward a login for every condition. And I yeah. think it has to do a lot with marketing. You know, it's easier to yeah. market on Facebook or Instagram yeah. for like, do you have a super rare, weird thing? I can connect with all of mm. them. 20,000 people that have that in the internet and I can give them a service yeah. and now I got them in a silo and nobody can see yep. what's going on in that silo. So it's a really it's, interesting thing. And, and I don't know the right answer besides, you know, yep. interoperability, single sign on, 
like that right. kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, I think it's a brilliant question and a brilliant, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's an unintended consequence and a problem in, uh, the myriad point solutions we have. Yeah. There, there are, um, so it is a problem, but it's not. And, and here's where I, I it, there's no question it is a problem, but here's where it's not a problem. So in a senior care clinic, well, like we talked about, you know, whether it's, you know, it, brick and mortar in person, some combination of in-person virtual or even, you know, largely virtual, which these things exist, right? Devoted Health is a great example of a senior care clinic that is pretty much, you know, majority virtual. Um, there, you're, you, you've customized and segmented, but they do whole person care. So they offer everything. So it's not just COP, you know, it's not just pulmonary disease or, you know, uh, you know, heart failure. They treat the whole person. They treat everything. And, uh, so I think, I think you can, you can do whole person care and yet at the same time customize and, and segment it. Well, um, having, yeah, yeah, it's interesting because I think what you're saying here is personify folks based on their psychographic profile, not their condition profile. Right. And I think there's been a, there's been that trend to be like, okay, there's a, we're yeah. going to, we're going to segment you by condition rather than psychographic, but you don't see, you, you also see that in like, it's great. in like, um, great point. yeah, in the services, like for people of color, for, you know, the LGBTQ plus community, like there's primary care services for those folks. Right. That's really interesting. That's right. probably the right avenue to take, but it's still yeah. getting at what yeah, you're talking about. Like, you know, we need to customize, right. we need to personalize, but we're doing it around a psychographic yeah. rather than a condition. To, to, you know, I think your point is so important because um, you're right. I mean, we've we've really, and you know, this you've you've been such a proponent for humanizing care for so long. Um, we we really do have in the past organized around conditions and diseases. I mean, think about the departments we have. Think yeah. about the specialties, right? Yeah. Um, we you know organ systems, right? I do think you're right that, and and this is a science and an art, and 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 I think this is a learning we're going to go through is. And I think I think I'm going to ask the question I, I I sort of hear in your in what you said, which is, what's the best way to segment? Yeah. Right. What's the yeah. best way to segment and customize? Um, because if you have a, a thousand point solutions, is that how will that work? Now I'll tell you one thing, and you you sort of gave the answer. It can work if you have a platform. So imagine, and again, just let's do a thought experiment. Imagine we had ten thousand companies, and each one was a super specialist in a certain thing. Well, what if you put those 10,000 companies, virtual, you know, care companies on Amazon? And so you said, and, and again, I think you do need a guide. You need a primary, you call it a primary care provider, primary care physician, a navigator. You need someone to help you because if you're just going to go online and be the average consumer who's not a medical specialist, you're going to get lost, right? So you need someone to curate, right? But what if you have the ability or, or your provider, your primary care provider had the ability literally to go on an Amazon platform and say, I can get you right now hooked up literally with a, a click of my finger, the best heart specialist just for what you need. Boom, you're there. So that interoperability that, and, and again, I actually talk about this in the book I just published on, on Beyond the Walls. We live in these fiefdoms right now, these medieval fiefdoms where all I can see are the artisans that are inside the walls of, 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 of the, the center I go to. 
what if we what if that didn't exist? What if we we literally got beyond those those medieval walls? What if I could my provider could could access care like like Charlie Health or others like it where they could go beyond those walls? And again, to your point, um, you still have there still has to be something. I think you're making a great point. There still has to be something that looks at me, some part of that system that sees me as a whole person and and guides me, informs me, navigates, connects me to the system, curates the system for me. Um, I I think that's absolutely right. Well, it's interesting because if folks like Brian, who, you know, is an expert in marketing, um, was able to design the system instead of like the doctor world designing, because the way we think as doctors, it's all about conditions. Right. But the way, right. The way marketing has always thought about it, it's all about the psychographic profile, right. To sell you something, yeah. you know? And so yeah. it's really interesting, yeah. like to combine those two worlds and say, if, if healthcare was designed and by a marketer, what would it look like? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And can I say something about that? Yeah. Um, Cause I think you're, I think you've nailed it. So in, in that first book I wrote on reframing healthcare, I actually have, a whole bunch of chapters on what I call the marketing mindset. Mm -hmm. And I say exactly what you just said, which Mm -hmm. is that if we adopted uh, a marketing mindset and and just be very clear, marketing is not about sales. Marketing is about three things, which by the way, if you think about our training as physicians, very parallel, it's about, first of all, who are your customers? Knowing what your customers want finding them a solution or delivering a solution that meets their needs and desires, and then making sure post-marketing that you've actually met their needs and desires. And if you haven't, then pivot your product or service to meet their needs. And if you think about, I used to train internal medicine residents for many years when I lived in New York City and I worked at Lenox Hill Hospital. I trained, I trained residents for, you know, in, in the three years of training. And um, this is what we taught them. We said, listen, you're not the textbook of medicine. You're a doctor. Your job is to sit with that human being in front of you, identify what their specific needs are, not, not just, not just, you know, their hypertension and throw a medication, but who is that person you're taking care of? What's the optimal medication? Really, again, using the best evidence based medicine, you know how to customize and personalize care for that individual, you have to engage that individual in that. So you have to be able to convince them that this is the right thing for them, which means you have to understand them and know them. And the best doctors do that, right? The best doctors really, really begin to know you. It it, it is almost like intuitive psychographics, right? And then you have to follow up and make sure. That is the optimal care. That is the optimal level of professionalism for a physician or nurse or PA or anyone else delivering care. And fundamentally, that is a marketing mindset. Now, marketing has a science. If What if we took the decades of the art of marketing and the science of marketing, like you're just talking about psychographics as part of the science and the analytics of marketing, and instead of trying to sell, we actually, well, maybe we were, we were trying to sell health. And if we applied that, oh my God, we would be in a totally different position. I, I think we are misusing or not leveraging marketing people and the science of marketing well enough in healthcare. And that's what I call the marketing mindset. So I completely agree with you. Yeah. Well, that's why we have Brian here. 
to bridge the gap between <laughs> the doctors and the marketers so that we can acquire patients better. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's glad you're here, Brian. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm curious, I'm curious is a, a question that's been kind of simmering through all this is really early on, Zev, you referenced a couple of companies and I think Jay, you kind of born of a more modern technology mindset that how should institutional medicine look, look at this? If we have the solutions coming from more modern and younger brands, but they may be in these kind of isolated siloed moments, how or can institutional or more traditional medicine transform to that? Or how does it interact with that? So, and I, I actually do talk about this uh, at quite at, at length in, in, in this book, uh, uh, Beyond the Walls that I, I, I just, uh, I'm about to publish actually. And, and, you know, what I say there, which I think is a direct answer to your question is that you need, you need these entrepreneurs, you need these new entrants, these highly advanced digital, uh, you know, companies and analytic companies. You need the stuff that's been largely happening outside the walls of traditional healthcare. But at the same time, you also need the people inside, uh, the traditional walls of healthcare because you know, you've got to integrate this. It cannot be just entrepreneurs creating these these point solutions. As, you know, as Jay was pointing out, um, there's there's tens of thousands of these things out there. But how do they fit into healthcare? And um, and how does healthcare take advantage of them? And so it actually has to be uh, beyond the walls. It has to be a transcendence of that wall where we're working together. And that that's exactly what's happening. So if you look at the payers now, they're not. First of all, they're not staying in, in the dark ages of healthcare delivery in the pre-digital era. No one is doing that. That, that, that's ridiculous. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's malpractice to do that, to, to, to not use the digital tools, uh, artificial intelligence, analytics, um, virtual care. It, it cannot, it cannot be anymore. Um, in a very, very short, short time, I would argue actually almost all healthcare at this point is digital healthcare. It's hard to say this is digital and this is not digital. It's like saying, you know, in some cases we use anesthesia, in some cases we don't use anesthesia. We go back to 1840 when we didn't have anesthesia because, you know, there's anesthesia care and no anesthesia. It's ridiculous. All care uses anesthesia that, that requires it. In the same uh, case, digital is going to be ubiquitous. It's, it's all going to be digital care. And so you look at the payers. They're not trying to stay behind and they're not trying to build it all themselves. What they're doing is they're either acquiring or partnering with these new entrants. And you see that happening in droves. And I think right now with hospital systems, and again, I've been in a hospital system uh, for many, many years, you're seeing a hospital system do the same exact thing. They are bringing these services in, uh, either acquiring them or, or using them as vendors and, uh, for, for, you know, to solve different problems. And what I love about that, and I, and I have a whole chapter devoted to this, is that what hospitals are becoming is essentially a platform. They're becoming mini Amazons where literally they are, you know, they have the patients coming in, of course, and it's not just the hospital. It's all the clinics, all the subspecialty primary care services they have, all the social services they have, but they're also then bringing in these vendors and utilizing these vendors. Now the challenge the challenge, of course, is this interoperability. How do you integrate all of this together into a true, what we call an integrated delivery network? 
Um, and that's the ongoing work at hand is, is how do you actually do that? Um, but, but it's, it's happening. So much of our conversation is in this last five, 10 years of younger companies, modern technologies, but how do we have to, we have to think about that in relation to institutional healthcare and more standard healthcare as well. So I was curious to hear both your thoughts on it, to be honest. And we're seeing, you know, what most people don't, what most people are not aware of, and I, I actually suspect even many providers in healthcare systems, is how many of these new entrants, these digital companies, are actually already embedded in the system. So, you know, for example, in our electronic medical record system, we're working with one of these vendors that actually is running programs in the background, um, literally in our electronic medical record system. So when a doctor goes to order a medication or a test, this program, and again, we didn't build it, we actually uh, bought this uh, uh, this solution and embedded it in, and integrated into our electronic medical record. So a doctor goes to order a medication or, or order a test, and literally the program looks at all the medications and looks at that individual patient and says to the doctor, the most up-to-date literature and evidence tells us that this test is not required. It's a waste and it will, it's not the right test to order for this patient. Don't order it. Okay. Because it'll cost extra money for the patient. It'll waste your time. Um, and potentially it'll give you an, an, uh, an answer that will lead you to have to do other things that will be costly and inappropriate. Um, the same thing with medications. It will warn you to say, this medication will interact with another medication. This is not the right medication for this patient. Or by the way, you just ordered a, a, a MRI, a, a test that costs hundreds if not thousands of dollars. It is not indicated for this particular problem that this particular patient has. That program to the doctor seems like it's part of the system. It's not. We bought it and we embed it in the system. We have another program that notifies doctors if their patient ends up in an emergency room. Uh, and and by, by the way, in an emergency room, not just our emergency room, but any emergency room anywhere. And that program, we didn't build it. We bought it. But it's incredibly important. And it does other things besides that. It'll let the doctor know your patient was just admitted to a hospital, not just our hospital, any hospital. And so I could go on and on and on and tell you of the literally hundreds of new entrants, digital companies out there that we have already integrated and embedded in our system that are actually almost seamless at this point. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a, it's a whole new world out there, isn't it? And what's fascinating is it's been really, I think the last 10 to 15 years that uh, we've been alive to, to see this, this uh, new, it's remarkable. World. And it's, it's a little bit wild westy still right now, but uh, you know, we'll figure it out. Totally. So, Hey, I, you're absolutely right. You know, it's been, it's been a really good time today. I think, uh, I think, um, we've, we've tackled a lot of, of a lot of concepts. Um, and also we get to talk to uh, about your, your book that's coming out when September 5th, right? Yeah. Uh, do you mind if I do a little promo here? Of course not. So it's called Beyond the Walls. It's, it's about the, uh, mega trends, the movements, which are largely humanistic movements and the market disruptors that are actually uh, transforming American healthcare. And, uh, it's a, it's a three part book, uh, lots of stories, lots of examples, some of which I shared with you today yeah. of how this is actually already happening. Awesome. Well, uh, we're looking forward to, uh, getting our hands on the book and, uh, I'm sure 
many of our other listeners uh, are as well. So can't wait to uh, can't wait to read it. Jay, it's it's uh, I've been an admirer of yours for so many years, and thank you for. Uh, I would actually, I not only do I consider you are uh, and have been a beyond the walls leader in healthcare for so many years and an inspiration for so many of us. It's it's a pleasure. And Brian, such a pleasure to talk to you again as well. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Health Impressions, Authority, Acquisition, Retention. We hope you found the conversation insightful and thought-provoking. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please leave us a review. Your feedback will only help us improve the show. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can connect with us on social media, or you can send us an email at media at titlehealthgroup.com. T-I-D-A-L healthgroup.com. Until next time, keep exploring, keep learning, and keep pushing the boundaries of your knowledge. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you again soon.